Let me give you a lesson today that I think will be of help to you. And I give it to you because I've had several people ask me the question in the last few months. And I've just said, yeah, yeah, I've got something like that. And, and then recently I thought, well, let me go ahead and just share that. And hopefully you won't need it. But if you do, you'll have it. Um, I've worked with a lot of team members, and you have too. When you're building teams together, you find the people that you want to find their gifts and use them and, and uh, help to achieve the goal you have. And so there's always those team members that you want to have, but there's also that team member you don't want. And, and I've had recently several people that have said, you know, in my business, I had a co-worker that suddenly took my company out from under me. I had a man that said, I've worked most of my life for something. I had a friend that 20 years, I trusted him. Next thing you know, he said, I'm in bankruptcy court. He's taken all my clients. And I keep hearing that. And they'll say, is there anybody in the Bible like that? And I said, well, matter of fact, there is. And so I thought, I always talk about the positive characters in the scripture, but I want to give you one today. He'd be the team member you don't want. It's a, it's a leadership lesson from the life of Absalom. Now, to teach you who Absalom is, Absalom is the third son of King David. Absalom is a good-looking boy. The Bible says he has real, real long hair. He was real flamboyant. Uh, he was boisterous. He had charisma. Think of it this way. Absalom was Ric Flair before there was a Ric Flair, okay? He came in the room and all the lights went on and he was styling and profiling. Of all of David's sons, Absalom was the charmer, was the go-getter, was the guy that everybody loved. And when he was in the room, the lights went up. Mr. Personality. And while he carried himself well there, he had one problem that would be his downfall. His problem was that underneath he was a rebel, and, and it was uncontrolled. All of us can have that tendency, but his was just, uh, he fed it, fueled it, and his rebellious spirit created a problem both in his family and then with everybody else and then with the nation. And so Absalom is a picture of somebody who, who worked with his father, of all things, the king, and overthrew the kingdom. And there's a description on how he did it. And so in your notes today, I'll just tell you some of the ways that, that you can identify a rebel. If you have one on your team, remember this. Uh, things like your job and life and experiences, all of these, those things are meant to develop character. You know, when things don't go your way, when maybe your, your job is really tough and you want to quit, that's your time you develop character. When your boss sometimes is a little hard to get, on, you know, get along with, that's your time you develop character. It's in those times when the pressure's in that the real you surfaces. It's not when everything's good. Everybody's on board when it's good. It's even when Jesus fed the 5,000, as long as he's giving out fish and chips, everybody shows up. But when he says, hey, I'm going to the cross, they all say, well, you can go that one on your own. The truth is when, when the pressure's on, that's when the real you comes out. I remember one time being in a job when it was so bad and my friends were saying, why don't you quit? And two or three other friends did. And I remember thinking then, you never quit when things are bad. You quit when things are good. You quit when you're on top. If you can quit on top, see, when you're in the valley, all you see around you are mountains. Don't ever make a big decision in the valley of your life. When you're depressed and you're in the valley, all you see are the mountains. Wait till you're on the top. Wait till everything is well. Then you make a decision. At least what you're making is with clarity. And so... What Absalom does is he's going to teach us how a rebel makes decisions, and you're going to see a lot of things about him. Let me give you a couple of things. One is the start of him, he carries an unresolved grudge. Now, you won't see it in the chapter that it talks about in, in, in Samuel, 
But, uh, but two chapters prior over the 13th chapter of Samuel, what, what happens is, is Absalom had a, David had several wives, so he had several children. So he had a mixed multitude in the home, okay? He had a, his, mine, and ours. And David had a beautiful daughter whose name was Tamar, and she was the sister to Absalom. And then he had a stepson in the house by another wife whose name was Amnon. Amnon one day raped Tamar, his half-sister. When Absalom found out about it, he was like any of us. He was livid. And he despised him. And Absalom looked to David to, what are you going to do to your son who raped my sister, your daughter? And David didn't deal with it like he should have. He wasn't as firm. He wasn't as strong. And so Absalom held a grudge about that. Absalom resented that. He was angry that, Dad, you didn't deal with the boy who dealt with my sister like I feel you should have. So he had this grudge underneath. Now, let me help you. All of us at times can have an offense happen to us. You can, you can have something that maybe you're totally in the right and you were ambushed and it was wrong, whether it's a co-worker, a spouse, or a boss or whatever. But how you deal with that it's going to determine how far you go. And if you let a, a grudge stay in your soul, it will poison you. It will bitter you. It's like acid. If you poured acid in a milk container, you know what it would do? It would eat up the container. When you get anger and bitterness and unresolved grudges and you hold that, it eats up the container. It hurts you. And so he, he begins, I believe his route to being a rebel began with an unresolved grudge. And, and so later he had Amnon killed. Uh, he had to vanish for three years. And, uh, and that was his start. Now, some other things about that rebel is this. Uh, in his case, he posed as a, as a leader. The word pose, you know, we get the word poser from. Uh, there, I did a lesson years ago. It was, it actually, was a, it was a lesson that John Maxwell was so honored to, uh, honored me with. He called and said, Bill, can I use that lesson? And he put it in Success Magazine. But it was a lesson that we did together called up. Uh, the difference between the players and the pretenders. And it was how to spot posers from players. And there's a difference. Well, Absalom came along as a poser. He'd seen what his dad did. He'd watched how his dad led. So he posed to be that kind, but he wasn't really the kind of leader that he should have been. The Bible says that he brought in all these, he had 50 horses and chariots and 50 men run ahead of him. And so he got the impression of other people. But here's what Absalom did that destroyed the kingdom. He, he began to envy David. He began to look at his father who had all of this uh, influence. He looked at a leader there on his team. And it could be you. If you've got a boss or you've got a, maybe you're a, a co-worker and somebody else is starting to shine. What, whether he, we, we'll say like real estate where hundred he's going to that field. You know, I've been and done some of these real estate meetings where you'll do the corporate meeting and they'll say, so-and-so sold five houses this month. And everybody applauds. So-and-so sold three and they applaud and they give them awards. And, and I always watch the people in the room and see who's applauding. Are the people, is everybody celebrating their win? And the reason is because a top salesman told me years ago, he said, everybody liked me until I became top salesman. He said, when I was, when I was just one of the guys, we were fine. He said, when I broke out and had a good month, he said, suddenly I began to find there was a distance. And that's when I began to notice that's the applause side. Well, Absalom is watching David and everybody loves him and Absalom wants that attention himself. Absalom wants to be in the limelight. Absalom wants praise and popularity. So Absalom goes and does something crafty. He stands outside the city gate where everybody that has to go in the gate, kind of in the entrance, he stands there. He shakes hands. He waves. 
You know what he's doing? He's politicking. He's trying to get more popularity than David. When he does that, they would come up and sometimes they'd complain. They'd say, you know, I wish that I could have an audience with David sometime. And Absalom would say, oh, I wish you could too, but you know, he's so busy. He doesn't have time for the little people. He doesn't care about people like you. And, and they would go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the way I feel. And then Absalom would go further. He'd say, you know, if I were the king, I'd make room for you. Now, what do you, you see what he's doing? He's planting a seed here of doubt. He doesn't care, but I do. By the way, that kind of stuff begins at your coffee, you know, at your, at your uh, water fountain. That begins in the break room. That begins in those places in a job where you walk out of a meeting and somebody says, you know, I appreciate what the leader said, but I would do it this way. I think so and so. And that's how it begins. And so absence out there stirring that, building a ground. Now people are saying, I'm going up to the kingdom, but I'm not going to see David because he won't hear me. He's too big, but Absalom will. And they would go and they'd stand around Absalom, and Absalom built a following. And then the Bible says that Absalom ultimately stole the hearts of the people from David. And then he walked in one day and took the kingdom. And when he did, David left. And for a little while there, Absalom got to run things. Now, he ran it in the ground, but, but the fact is, is Absalom got to be the big kahuna that he wanted to be. But the way he got it, obviously, was not going to be the way he could, he could keep anything because it's like I said about integrity. You can get to the top without it, but you can't stay there without it. And so the key with Absalom was that was his story. So let me give you a couple of things I see when I look at the story. The third is he erodes the confidence in the present leader, and is he's undermining him. I've always said if you take a check from somebody, you have no right to criticize them unless you go to their face and sit down and have that explanation. I, I, I think it's wrong to work for somebody and, and do what and they can get their trust and at the same time undermine them. And so that's, that's, the, you know, that's the one thing that for me is a personal value. It's the issue of loyalty. Um, but he plants that because he's got his own agenda. He desires public recognition. That's why he said, oh, if somebody would appoint me the judge, this is what I would do. He wants the limelight. I'm always scared of somebody that wants to be in the limelight. You know, I'm always scared of the person that just has to have that microphone. They've got to be there. Personally, I'll just say this. My life for years since the calling has been to be in a public place. If you had one clue how much I do not like being in the public life, there is nothing I love more than being in a city where nobody knows my name, where they put me in the back of the line, where a waitress is rude to me, where I literally... Don't get waited on for 30 minutes in a place. I like being treated like the worst in a different place. And I I say it this way. It makes me feel more normal because I don't think of myself as wanting to be in that light. But when you come through in a city you've been in a long time, out of respect, people say, oh, Pastor Bill, how you doing, Pastor Bill? Come this way, Pastor Bill. And, And I don't want somebody else to miss out an opportunity to be served or taken care of because I walked in the room. I'm not special and I don't like the limelight. I do it but I don't like it. But I've always said maybe that's the reason God gives you that is because you don't love it and it's not your temptation. I've known of other people that they love it. They live for it. Where's the next microphone? And and some people are meant to perform. Nothing wrong with that. But I always remember when you perform, there's always somebody better. (laughs) Always. You You know how God humbles me when I was pastor? There was hardly a month that would go by that I wouldn't stand to preach and I didn't call them out because they didn't want to, but they'd be on their way to vacation and there'd be a Charles Stanley sitting on our front row. Or like the one day I looked at, MC Hammer was over here. And there are times that 
I look out and I say, there's a lot better speakers. I'll, I'll sometimes start to open the Bible, look at the crowd. Uh-oh, man, so-and-so's here. He's the best Greek professor in America. And I better make sure I got my words right. <laughs> and, and so it has a way of keeping it in perspective. And so be very cautious about that. Be cautious about being that person that I got to have that. Absalom wanted public recognition. He got it, but what he got it, he really didn't need and certainly wouldn't live up to it. Also, he has this. Number five, he had a flattering tongue. It said that he would take hold of the people and kiss them. That is, when they came up and they would say, I've got a need, they said he would step down and walk over and, you know, really give them, give them what we call love bombing. You know, you know what that is? When they just shower you with love because they want something. And so the flattering tongue, I'd say to be careful of this. Beware of flattery. Now, genuine compliments, by all means, give them. But don't ever fake a compliment. If, if you think somebody has a nice dress, say so. That's a beautiful dress. If it's not, don't lie about it. You know, they can pick it up. I promise you they can. Be, they'll know whether you really mean that or not. You know, if you say, those are the most beautiful children, and they're thinking, no, they're not, and they're mine. <laughs> but nobody's ever said that before. <laughs> I mean, that's when you just, uh, nobody's ever walked to me and said, Brother Bill, you're just so good looking. I can't take my eyes off. Nobody's ever said that. And if they did, I'd know they're lying. See, God blessed me with a sufficient amount of ugliness so it can keep me in check. But, but when, it, when flattery, flattery is dangerous. Be careful of it. Now, listen, honor, genuine honor and genuine praise have a distinct sound. There's just a distinct sound. You can pick it up if you listen. And I always say when talking to somebody, listen for the sound of honor. Listen for the, the moment you hear dishonor, just go ahead and close the file, close the door. I can't tell you the times I'd be in a conversation with somebody, the moment I'd pick it, in my mind, I just went and shut the door. Said, okay, this conversation's over. And, and there's no reason. You cannot have any authentic relationship with somebody who's a flatterer, but it's not authentic. So be very careful. Absalom flattered the folks and they fell for it. The other is, he's persistent. And rebels are. You ever heard somebody's philosophy in life is kind of like this, persistence beats resistance. You know, I'm going to just keep on and on and on until I get my way. And, and Absalom wouldn't go away. And some rebels are like that. Uh, number seven, he has a false testimony. That, that is, he's the part now talking about God. He uses the God card. Doesn't this scare you? When somebody uses the God card all the time, you know, God told me, God led me, you know, and, that, and they're always using the God told me card. Um, here's your best approach. When somebody says, God told me this about you, or told me that you're supposed to do this, come back with, well, when God tells me, then I'll, I'll listen. You know? uh, the fact is, is, I used to have a girl that would come up to me at church and she would, years ago, and she'd come up and say, uh, Brother Bill, God, God told me that you're supposed to let me sing one Sunday. And she wanted to be on the platform. And I looked at some of her friends, and her friends couldn't know. <laughs> God didn't tell her. And so my best answer was, when God tells us to ask you, we will be more than happy to ask you. If people use the God card on you, be careful of that, because that, that's kind of like I'll use a spiritual club to get you to do what I want, you know? I remember a man one time, he was a real weak guy, and I was renting an apartment from him, and I lived downstairs. And he had just become a Christian, and so sweet, but he had read a verse in the Bible that wives obey your husbands. Now, he never read nothing else, but he read that. And he was standing at the stairway, yelling up at his wife, and he's holding the Bible out. I mean, he's got a big old Bible. 
the Bible says right here, you're supposed to obey me. And she was upstairs brushing her hair, and she was going, just shut up. And, so, and I'm over here thinking, this is hilarious. He's trying to use this Bible to club her, to get her to do what he wants. And she's like, why don't you just shut up and do what you're supposed to do? It was something so similar, but he's trying to use the God card. Another is that rebels find rebels. Absalom would find many others just like him. We all know this. Real relates to real, and fake finds fake. It, it always does. Real relates to real, and fake finds fake. You, 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 will, you will attract who you are. Uh, your same values, same spirit, and all that. Number nine is this. It's all, a rebel is always marked by an immoral problem, uh, by, by some type of moral problem. Now, there's three areas. I, I've never... You know, I've never really had anybody else preach this. But I, I've believed it because I've seen it in my own research, but I do, I, I do find them together. If you look through the Bible, you'll see them the same way. There's what I call these sins that are called triplets. Pride, rebellion, and immorality always go together. Wherever you see one, the other two soon show up. Show me somebody who's got pride, and I'll show you somebody who ultimately will be rebellious. It's out, I want to do my way, have my own agenda, and by the way, the quickest way to break up a team is for one person to have their own agenda. And so pride leads to rebellion, and after that it leads and always results in immorality. That's one of those things that I've never been able to separate them. In fact, when I've seen someone go off in that direction, I would always say what grieves me is not where they are today with pride or rebellion. What grieves me is where I know they're going to be within a year, and it always happens. It, if, if I could get fooled with that, I would throw that illustration away and never use it again, and I would gl be glad to. But it never, ever seems to fail. It's the guarantee. The three go together. I say that as, the, to, as a warning for us to keep it in mind. And then I say this. Here's how it ends. With a rebel on your team, somebody who's never going to be on the page, never going to be part of the agenda, somebody who's always undermining your team, it always ends in disgrace and dishonor and death. In the end, we don't remember Absent for being a great, good-looking, charismatic, you know, positive guy. We look at a proud young guy with a great potential, but he ruined his own life. And we look at somebody that we don't admire for his beauty or strengths. We don't remember any of the good he did. All we remember when you think of Absent is a guy who had it all, but he got off track. So I say this to you. One is, check your heart at all times. There is within all of us a possibility to be an Absalom. There's a possibility in every heart to be an Absalom. Watch yourself. If you ever sense that there's rebellion, if you ever sense that I'm resisting authority, that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have my own way without being shaped by God, if we got to promote ourselves instead of waiting for God to do it, which Absalom did. If Absalom had waited, God may have promoted him, but he went and put his own hand on it and God couldn't. And so if you will check your own heart, it'll keep you from making a lot of mistakes in life. And the best way is just ask at times, am I being rebellious about that? My wife and I will do that sometimes in conversation. She, she said before, you know, Bill, I don't like it, but I think what you're saying is right. I want to rebel against it, but I think that's best for us. Sometimes I've had to say the same to her. I said, Debbie, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't want to do this, but I know I need to. I want to rebel against it, but, but I, I should. And, and if you can hold yourself accountable, that's a whole lot better than having the consequences of a rebellious action hold you there. And so watch yourself for it. That spirit, how do you know? Well, one is, how, how teachable are you? Remain teachable. 
Always be teachable. If you could ask me, Bill, what would I want to learn in life? What's the most important goal? I'd say be teachable. Learn, keep learning, keep growing. That's the way you grow and that's the way you progress. And so watch that in your life. How far you go in your life, I believe is going to be determined by our, uh, how we conquer a rebellious spirit. And I mentioned there's that you know, there's, there's a potential to be an Absalom. There's also a potential, though, to be a David. What David did was when Absalom rebelled against him, David didn't go out and, and tell everybody how bad it was. He didn't go out and plaster Absalom. He didn't go out and create the war. He let Absalom do it all. David walked away from his kingdom and went out on his own. And in time, the people said, David, we want you back. And David came back at this time with greater unity. And Absalom himself had ruined himself. But David did the right thing. You don't have to react. You don't have to fight those. If you've got somebody on your team or you've got an employee that's undermining you, deal with it. Take care of it. Catch the cancer before it grows. But don't get so focused on it and don't try to retaliate. Just deal with it for the best, better of the company. And if you sense in your own spirit that there's a time that I don't quite understand what the leader understands or why they're making that decision, remember this. They're always privy to information you may not have known. And if you'll understand that, they know certain sides. I'll give you a quick closing illustration of it. Years ago, when I first became pastor, I was up. I had a, a, a guy in our church that he was having an affair. And when I found out he was having an affair, he's a wonderful guy. And his wife and, and he were in this situation where their marriage was really in bad shape. And I remember at that time, I called him aside and said, listen, I'm gonna have to remove you from this particular position. And so I moved him for the position. I said, but nobody will ever know about the other. And so I had determined I wanted his marriage to work. I wanted them to work through that situation. But instead, he got angry with me for taking away his limelight, and he started going out to everybody else and trashing me. Well, let me tell you about Brother Bill, and he let me go for no reason. He just went all, did all that stuff. And did you know for six months, I had people hating on me that I'd never done anything to? I mean, people that I'd really loved and reached out to, but they listened to what he said, and so they were constantly saying, I can't believe you treated him that way. I can't believe you did that to him. And he became a victim, though he was the one that created the problem. I never could speak about it. I never would. Six months later, when it all came out, all of his news, the very group of people that I had been friends with that had turned on me during that and take up an offense, now they come to me like a dog with a tail between the legs and a lot of shame. You know, oh, you knew, I didn't know. And I think it was back then I realized there's a place where you're going to be as the leader where you're having to make decisions that you can't give all the information. You can't tell why because it doesn't do anything but make it worse. You just have to say the people that trust you are going to trust you, but you lead well and do right and deal with rebellion when it comes. I think that'll make the best for your life. Thanks for being here today. I hope that's a blessing to you. God bless you. Yeah.